if you could spend a moment with some remarkable people and discover what the life sounds like, what would you ask? Welcome to Are We On Air, an audio encounter. I'm Armand Nafei, and each episode will feature one conversation with an inspiring friend of mine who will share with us the soundtrack to their life. Welcome back to another episode of Are We On Air? I am very excited to welcome my friend and man about town to this week's show. His name is Tremaine Emery. Tremaine is what I would call a modern day renaissance man. He is a designer, artist, filmmaker and founder of his label Denim Tears, but also known as part of the incredible DJ slash hype man trio called No Vacancy Inn. We chatted about his roots in Harlem, Georgia and the influence his dad's love for James Brown had on him. But we also talked about the power of the internet and social media and the importance of cultural exchange. But we also touched and got a very insightful glimpse into his take on the importance of his friend Frank Ocean. And boy do I would like to have a friend to talk about me the way Tremaine talked about Frank. Overall, a very stimulating conversation. And as always, you can find the full playlists and other infos on areweonair.com, on our Spotify and Apple channels, and on Instagram. And don't forget to share love. I hope you'll enjoy it. So, Tremaine, welcome to Are We On Air. Thank you for having me. It's been a while since I we last saw each other. I think it was literally in the garden at the chateau, pre, pre-pandemic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, it was a minute ago. <laughs> yeah, it's been a minute. <laughs> how how was your how was your past year? How was that going? You're in LA right now. Yeah, um, I've been here like 95 most of the time, 95 of the time during this um, whole pandemic. Um, yeah, everything's been you know life, you know. But luckily for my family and myself, the dice rolls have been good, and um, everyone's been been okay. Um, and grateful because that's not been the case for a lot of people. So I focus on that. You know what I mean? So I don't. You know, I don't get caught up in the the, um, I, the little things or even the big things because the yeah. big the big I, bad things haven't happened to me this year yeah thank god um and i'm sure creativity is what kept you sane and having projects to work on to keep yourself your mind busy as well yeah another thing grateful for was uh definitely had stuff to keep me busy and and um you know be able to pay my bills and pay my health insurance and stuff so again super grateful for that and um and then also you know having great people in la that i actually you know actually connected to and love to spend time with too and that's that's how i've been spending my time is just uh hanging out with people I'm close to and then um yeah. and working yeah um, um, well, we're talking about people that we're close to, our mutual friend and your your business partner, your cultural partner, A-Side. How's he, how's he doing? We were just chatting. Shout out to A-Side, man. Um, he's doing all right. Uh, unfortunately, you couldn't um, be on this one today, but um, he's he's good, man. And he's, you know, he's one of those close people that I've um, spent, you know, hours on the phone with this year and, you know, spent time with safely. Um, yeah. So love that guy. Yeah. Shout out, shout out to A-Side. I remember the first time I uh, I saw you guys, uh, this must have been, I don't know, three, four years ago. We were both playing the same event. It was, I think, in Miami for, during our Basel for Prada. 
And I was just like, we were different corners of the event playing. But when I had a chance to come over, I loved the energy. I was like, who are these guys? <laughs> but then it turns out we had a lot of mutual friends. And Prada? Yes, the Fiesta. That was a good one, exactly. man. That, that was, was a great. That was a good one. You know, because a lot of those <laughs> events aren't always great. That was Prada, him and Muchia and the Prada team and, 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 Ken, and um, Jan Kennedy. And Kennedy and Jan, yeah. They, um, that was a great, that was a great event visually. The sound, you know, you were great too. Yeah. The uh, Theaster and the um, the monks, black monks performance, and that was amazing, man. That was a good one. The energy was really that was quite something. <laughs> well, um, the idea of Are We On Air um, is obviously surrounding and around music as well, but it's to kind of paint a picture of who you are and uh, to find out what you're listening to, and obviously music is something that connects us all. And uh, let's let's start with your earliest significant musical memory that shaped you as an artist. Mm. I love this. Just want to say that because um, yeah. not knocking any other podcasts because I actually just did a really good one a couple a month ago. But <laughs> it's kind of you're telling your same story over and over again a lot of the time. Totally, yeah. <laughs> so I just like this um, avenue to man. I'm gonna tell you. The earliest music memory, anytime someone, and not many people have asked you that question, I just think of James Brown. I think of waking up on Saturdays mm. and in my house in, in Queens. And um, my dad, he's off of work. And my mom's making breakfast. And he's, he's playing James Brown. And he's dancing. And then I, and then I start dancing. That's my earliest memory, James Brown. played other stuff too but that's his um that's his favorite that's one of his favorite artists he you know he tells the story of when he went to go see james brown in augusta um when he won the james brown dance competition in augusta i think him him and him and my mom won it i think it was him and my mom mom my mom was his dance partner um my dad loved james brown like so many other people but my dad loved james brown um so, so that's my yeah i think that's my first musical memory james my dad playing james brown on saturday weekends you remember a particular record or that he was playing over and over um i think it's that live at the hmm is it live at the apollo i could just i'll say the records mm. like i remember just hearing a man's world um cold sweat uh there was a time um please 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 um just yeah so it's like it's not even one record it's like he's playing this these tapes and it's the songs and they're kind of short and just papa's got a brand new bag whooping stick mm -mm -mm -mm. Like, i could just i'm there man like uh yeah yeah <laughs> it's funny that another mutual friend of ours tom Sachs, that you also worked with before that's also his go-to that was also his go-to when he needed a pick-me-up and same with marina abramovich it's it's funny how how James really uh, touches everybody and gets everybody in the same energy, in the same mood. And I think that's just like the power, the power that this man had. I actually watched a YouTube clip the other day of um, 
I don't know, this must have been the 80s, uh, James Brown on stage, calls up Michael Jackson to come join him. And then Michael Jackson calls up Prince, who was also on stage, and the three kind of performing on stage. <laughs> I mean, insane. I mean, the three. And then everyone just kind of riffing it. Yeah. I got a new inspiration, a new motivation, because I just, just certain things happen to you, make you feel good. If you will, ladies and gentlemen, very quiet and very humble and very meek and just beautiful and full of talent and just, just running out of ears, he and his whole family. If you will, let's give another standing ovation for a young man sitting behind you that you have no idea who's in the audience. Michael Jackson, move Michael Jackson! The rumor about that um that moment, Prince and Mike had like a competition. I don't know how fond they were or not of each other. I think they had ultimate respect for each other. There was never like any rivalry between you and Mr. Jackson. Oh, not to me, no. That's, okay. So I love the story of you, you know, there's all these Prince, I'm sorry. That's, oh, that's the guy you used to be. Mm -hmm. There's the story of you turning down bad. Well. <laughs> You know, that Wesley Snipes character, right. th that would have been me. <laughs> All right, now, you, <laughs> now you run that video in your mind. The word is, the rumor is that in that when you watch that video. Michael Jackson comes up to stage first. And then he whispers something in James's ear. And I think mm -hmm. what he whispered was, call Prince to the stage. And also, give him a big round of applause because he just insisted that I introduce Prince. Here's here. Prince. 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 Kind of like a, you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. then they kind of both do their thing. It was kind of like a little battle, you know? It was a little battle. Totally. But, it was all, but it was also kind of showing respect. It's like, you know, I mean, the master uh, called us up, but he's like, yeah, I'm not the only star in the house. Prince is here. Call him up. I think out of respect, too. Yeah, it's, um, that's a great, yeah, that's a, I mean, that's like one of the most legendary videos in pop culture, you know, in popular yeah, culture. For real. Well, to go back to you and uh, and music and your choices, how would you describe yourself with three songs? I would say, uh, good question, man. Um, serve the servants. Uh, you know, first song off of um, in utero. Why? I don't know. You kind of, that's that line where you just like kind of like now, kind of like we're grown up and now we're bored as hell. Teenage angst is paid off well.
think all the things I dreamed of and feared or, or, or things I ran from and the things I reveled in, in my teenage young years, they've come to fruition somehow through the sheer luck that all the things have manifested into like where I'm at now, as far as my career, which isn't the only part of me, but it's a big, is a part of me. And then um, kind of like there's a disenchantment with getting what you want. Um, and that song kind of speaks on that. And then also like um, maybe when you're when you become what society calls successful, um, you are left to think on the other things, family stuff, your childhood, um, things you've been through, things going on in the world, which that song speaks about in a way. And, you know, uh, and then just the feeling of the song, just the, in the esoteric sense, that song's just one of my favorite songs I've ever heard in my life. Um, and it's one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite albums. I think it's one of the best second popular. Well, actually, it's their third album, but major album. You know, it's their second major mm-hmm. album debut, and it's one of the best ever, in, in, in my opinion, in popular music. You know, mm-hmm. mass. You know, music for the masses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Music for the masses. Another song, I guess, would be "There Was a Time" by um, James Brown. That just makes me think mm-hmm. of. Um, where my family's from. being black, dance, music, and, and, and being from Georgia, being from Harlem, Georgia, mm-hmm. which is 20 miles from Augusta, Georgia. And then it mm-hmm. makes me think of my best friend, A-Side, our first party. Um, we, he was the DJ, as he always is. I'm the MC host. And um, our first party that he actually didn't do with him was at this place called Monero's, Midnight at Monero. We did Midnight at Monero's every Friday from 12 to 5.30 in the morning. And then he, he was playing, there was only one vinyl player in this place. The place was a shithole. <laughs> There'd just be always be that moment where he put it was a little seven inch of um there was a time um be that moment where he put it on and then it was magic every time every single time he put on that record so I think of A side I think of my father I think of Harlem Georgia I think of being black and I think of dancing it's one of my, it's one of my favorite if not favorite songs to dance to um, incredible record I love um, you know and to discover the heritages of my guests and you know. Um, and to see, for instance, the connection, James Brown, and it being so close to your home, you know, I think you have a whole different cultural, it's a whole different cultural connotation than, for instance, to, to me, or let's say Tom, right? It's, it's, yeah, we love James Brown, incredible artist, but I think it's, this is your DNA. It's, you know, it's, it's, I think, so much deeper rooted. And I think the feeling, the words, it, it takes a whole different meaning to you. And also, I think that's what shaped you and defined you in your eye and your vision and your taste that obviously trickles down to everything else. I mean, that's your heritage. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. These um, definitely like James Brown is definitely a, a monolith or monument in wherever like the culture part of my brain is, mm. you know, even just like 
I got to record my dad telling stories is his James Brown story of going to that show. Um, yeah, you know, and just... Um, Did you ever get to see him perform live? No, but I feel like I, I, feel like I was there. When my dad tells a story, mm. when he tells the story of how the spotlight hit him and how the sweat comes off his face and his encore. And my dad's great at telling stories, man. And uh, <laughs> my, my dad tells that story. I see. So I have seen James Brown. My dad tells that story. Yeah. Time machine. Time machine. Um, yeah. And then um, also, it's uh, yeah, it's just great. It's also my f- another fun, funny story, James Brown, I always use to like when people try to hate on new music or new generation. I always say my grandfather didn't like James Brown, but he took my dad to my dad's first James Brown show in Augusta because <clears throat> he didn't want him to go by himself. And then um, he was too young to go by himself. And my grandfather didn't like how he dressed, didn't like the music, didn't like how he danced, didn't like how he sang, didn't like how he lived. My grandfather, after that show, he said to my dad, yeah, I don't like him, but anyone that can work that hard on the stage, I respect. You wow. know what I mean? And I just never forget that because wow. people are always just like, oh, these new rappers or these new artists, this, they're not. And it's just like, you know what? People didn't like James Brown back then you know when Nas <laughs> when Nas was trying to get a record deal Def Jam didn't give him a deal because they said they thought he sounded like too much like Coogee Rap you know <laughs> wow yeah it's true it's true and my third song would be um uh Blue and Green by Miles Davis um mm-hmm. yeah that song just uh just takes me somewhere that that piano solo solo at the end I don't know Mm-hmm. To me, that song's like um, it's just a memorial. Just makes you, for some reason, it just makes me think of people that have passed. Also, thinks of it anytime mm-hmm. that song come on at Corner Bistro, which is my favorite, one of my favorite <laughs> favorite bars in the world. And when that come on at the jukebox, shout out to Corner Bistro. <laughs> late at night, three thirty mm-hmm. in the morning or something, we just you know out all night, and then we end up at Bistro to get a burger and some beers. So nostalgic now. <laughs> I start to miss. I miss that place now so much. <laughs> Uh, 4 a.m. Hop drunk, <laughs> yeah. And you just drunk in your feelings, and you and you're rapping and rapping about nostalgia <laughs> yeah. of life, and then you put on blue and green, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my song. I love it. Well, we just mentioned yeah, your your duo, No, Va- no Vacancy In. Um, what what record? Actually, yeah. three people. It's me, Brock, and Asad. But go ahead. Oh, it's Brock. Okay, it's three of you. Okay, we st- me and Asad started it, and then like a couple of years yeah. later, Brock indoctrinated. Okay, the trio, the trio. Um, but what record or what's uh, track would you? I know that's very tricky because obviously you, you play very broad. But what sound would you define? What's the essence of the sound or of the brand? <laughs> Steely Dan. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Steely Dan, man. Hey 19. All those, yeah, all those songs do it again. You know, like, um, yeah, like Hey 19.
it's like no vacancies like ASAP to play like couple whatever rap whatever records and then he just transitions and he plays Miss You by the Rolling Stones. That's no vacancy in two. Hey hey nineteen and Miss You. So Steely Dan though. But yeah, but also just like those certain those records, man. Those records like I'll say those. That's what first comes to my mind. Those two records, man. Was there like a moment uh, throughout the years, a gig that really stuck with you? That was like, wow, what a moment. Man, um, I think the one that stuck with me, one of the ones that I say stick with me the most was um, the one I wasn't even there. Um, I had flown to Paris. It was the weekend of, um, it was Virgil's first show at Louis. And um, I had flown in, hitched the ride. <laughs> I hitched the ride <laughs> on a private jet uh, and from LA and we landed to go see Virgil's show, but then we were leaving the same night. So I got to Paris, went to V show, and then we flew back to um, LA the same night. Nuts. <laughs> Why? <laughs> On the low, Will Welch and, and the other, you know, Mobilaji and, and um, Mark Anthony Green they had a little party they were doing on the low, no flyer, at this spot in Paris, um, La Avenue, but upstairs. Mm. And they hollered at A-side and then um, text only, texting people. And then I literally had people texting me t- during, after, about how incredible his DJ set was. And I just felt like, you know, all the years we, far as there's no vacancy, because A-side's been DJing for a long time and he's been laying it down. He's one of the best in the world. But um, everything kind of came to a watershed moment of this uh, monumental weekend in Paris and A-Side playing this DJ set, playing exactly the songs he wants to play, you know? Mm. Whether Mm. it's house, techno, rap, 70s rock, whatever, he playing exactly what he wants and he he had the crowd and I heard it was ethereal and um, I never get FOMO. I have FOMO. And not FOMO because... At FOMO, because I just like, I love seeing my man do his thing. And um, I could tell by the way people spoke about it. Uh, it was a special, it was a special moment. So I think that's one of the best ones. There have been so many ones, but um, yeah. I think that's what makes a good DJ uh, and what makes it personally interesting for me as well. If if the, if the cl- set is eclectic, you know, like I, I think it gets very easily boring and monotone, no matter what genre it is, if it just like stucks in one genre. And I also believe that. In today's world where everything is pick and choose anyway through all the streaming uh, platforms, you know, everyone is so eclectic, you know, it's like your Discovery Weekly is not, most of the time, it's not a one stuck genre. It's it's literally, you take elements from each corner. I think that's what why this also resonated so well. Besides Asa, of course, being a good DJ, I think that's the the mix of it all becoming one Gesamtkunstwerk, so like, to say. When you play exactly what you want and from everything, you see how it's all connected. And it's, the genre, mm. genres are, are made up by people who actually don't really know shit about music. Music Musicians yeah. and real fans don't make up genres. That's uh, label executives and marketers and people trying to sell stuff make up genres. about your alter ego, Denim Tears? <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Tell me. 
who is Denim Tears and what does he sound like? Tears is, you know, is an inside joke that became a brand that's just, you know, I tell stories through Denim Tears. Um, but what does it sound like? Denim Tears sounds like... Yeah, it's not easy. It's... Uh... Question though, that's good. I like that. Yeah. It's not auto. These are not autopilot answers because you're not asking basic questions. You're not asking basic questions. Um, uh, <laughs> because I'm sure when you when you create, you put mood boards together, right? But you also probably have audio mood boards equivalently for it. Yeah, like but I'm like that shit is. You're right, and it's hot, but that the wood boards are fucking. Uh, uh, a motherboard inside my brain. It's like hardwired <laughs> in there. You know what I mean? It's like not even, yeah. it's fucking hardwired in there. Um, I would say, you know what it's like? It's a uh, Mingus, the black saint <clears throat> in the center lady. That's what it sounds like. See, it was a very good answer. You took your time, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nah, but it's a great question. Yeah. yeah, and that's honestly, I'm sitting thinking, thinking, and then that that record came to my mind. Yeah, good question. I mean, you grew up in the '90s in New York, right? I got that late, right. Um, late eight, so I was born in '81, and we moved to New York in '81. Mm. So I'm '80s, '90s, like I'm a late '80s, '90s baby. I mean, New York was like a hotspot, a cultural hotspot back then. Uh, I'm sure you you saw and learned and grew so much in that period um but but you know and then later i think you moved to london and you had the exchange now with los angeles and of course around the world but how can you i mean how important is cultural exchange for creativity shit man it's maybe the most important thing besides um the most important thing is like self-confidence and like not seeking validation from outside things mm. um you know self-confidence self-love and not seeking validation which are all interconnected and the second most yeah it would be like just you know it was a fucking gift that my parents moved to new york um gift that yeah it's just the amount of people you get to be around and and also the gift really gift was the type of parents i had living in new york who took me around to all types of stuff which led to me taking myself all around to stuff when I was old enough to travel on my own. Because if you move to New York or any places that are interesting like that and you don't have um, mother mother and father figures, whether they be, you know, maternal, paternal by blood, or, you know, I think Nietzsche says, if you don't have a father, find one. If you don't have that men those mentors to, to, to point you in the right direction, you might as well stay in the small town. You know what I mean? So, um, mm. you know. If you're not seeking those touch points. Yeah. So it's important to be in a place like New York at the, that time, but also have people pointing you in not even the right directions <laughs> just different directions hmm. i mean um, if you compare for instance you you're growing up during that period if you compare to today right what are the scenes so to say let's say pre-pandemic in in new york in los angeles in london and also with this new with the with this new generation i mean uh, let's say in the early 20s I mean, where is the cultural exchange happening today? And how is it happening? 
Um, cultural exchange is happening on the internet, on Instagram, on social networks, and that's just the way it is. Um, and is it a good thing or a bad thing? It's both, you know? Just like New York in the 80s and 90s wasn't all good. Get your brains blown out. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You get so New York isn't as cool as it was, but it's way fucking safer. I'll tell you that. You know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. um, especially where I grew up. And my where I grew up is still fucked, but it's safer than it was. Um, you know, but um, so you know, internet's like a tool. You could use a hammer to, to help build a house, or you could use a hammer to hurt someone. So, you know, it's tough for cities now, major cities, because um, you know, David Byrne from the Talk Talking Heads wrote a great article in, in, mm. in like 2010 or maybe before, and he just said why New York is dead and it's because of um, artists, young young poor people can't afford to live there anymore. And young poor people can't mm-hmm. afford to live in London or Paris or LA or any major city that has cult- these cultural institutions, whether it be a museum or like CBGBs. Um, and it's really tough for young people, poor, young poor people to um, haunt these cities because they've become so expensive and so gentrified and so Disney-fied. Um, and that's what's changed and diluted that type of culture. Um, so it's good the advent of Instagram and the internet because these kids who can't afford to move to New York, LA, and London no more, they can still, um, you know, Instagram, when it's used at its best, it's a living magazine. Mm-hmm. A person, mm-hmm. you know, at its best, in my opinion, it's a living magazine of a scene, of a person, of a style, of a feeling, of a thing. Um, and it's hard to to seek it out because there's so much BS, in my opinion, on there. Um, but, you know, a kid that's transgender, that lives in Oklahoma that feels really alone. Um, maybe they can find um, there's this, this kid, this guy who I just met through my friend Callie. I think his name is Joshua, and he wrote he did this book called um, Joshua Gordon, and he did this amazing book that I have to track down. Um, it's called Butterfly, and he flew down to Cuba, and um, he um, he, he followed a, a bunch of um, transgender women um, and their transition in the community in Cuba. And I'm told mm-hmm. it's a beautiful book, and I can't wait to see it and read it and see the pictures. And so there's a wow. kid, there's probably some kid in Oklahoma who maybe follows Callie DeWitt because he thinks Callie's cool, and then he sees oh Callie has a friend that looks like she's transitioning, and then he sees Joshua and Callie on a hike and he clicks on Joshua's page and then he sees there's this book that Joshua is selling at Heaven which is Mark Jacobs store that just opened in LA and he looks at the book and then he clicks on it and goes to Idea Books and reads the description and sees the book is about these people in Cuba transitioning and becoming who they need to become who they are on the inside against all odds and that gives the kids some hope so that's to me that's and I've I've, I don't that kid is fictional but that kid isn't fictional because there are kids out there Mm -hmm. who who are searching and then they can find pathways of hope through the internet because they can't afford the plane ticket or things like that. Or maybe, you know, uh, I, I, you know what I mean? So that's yeah. the, that's the, that's I the, love that. I love that. That's the internet at its best. We, we don't need to get into what it is at its worst. We know that. <laughs> we see that all the time. Yo soy Jessica Sanchez. Mi sueño es hacerme el cuerpo completo. Hacerme mi teta, mi cuerpo. Y me gustaría sobre todo ser una artista no me gusta el, el doblaje me gusta ser yo misma natural como como soy no me gusta imitar a nadie me gusta ser yo misma se pintar y sobre todo tener 
buen cuerpo, eso sobre todo. Sobre todas las cosas. Eso mismo. It's funny, like in the in the 80s, the references for this was the face or interview magazine, you know, like for the kid in no middle of nowhere. That was the access. That was the reference point. And obviously the gatekeepers have changed and things got broader and democratized. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's also an endless pit of full-on trash and uh, it's you know, a fake lifestyle. But I also think it kind of affected, I think, the birth of the iPhone. I think the year 2007 played a big role in this, literally with the invention of the iPhone. Yes. And then a few years later, social media, how, let's call it the analog life, like our downtown New York City life or in LA or whatever city, London, drastically changed. And, and I had this conversation actually today with my friend, here in Berlin, she's the director of the of the Boros collection, and they have an exhibition at the at Berkheim right now. And um, how we were just talking about how t even ten years ago, fifteen years ago, uh, the the idea of fun was completely different because we didn't have this constant observation. We didn't have a camera around us the whole time, which sure. obviously changed the way we behaved in dark rooms and closed environments. Whereas today, if you look at the kids, they're very self-aware, non-stop, you know, and, 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 and there's a certain confidence that comes with it. That's why we, I think we have these major, big cultural, social changes happening in the past four or five years, because now these kids who grew up with these tools be, now are old enough to, hey, have a voice and are able to change things. I think that's why we are going through this huge transition of, of these old crusts kind of breaking up, um, which is great. Um, but also I think it comes with a big, with a big price, with a big, big tag attached to it. You know, like we have a lot of psychological problems that now is a new wave arising, you know, the sharpest double-edged sword in the history of humanity. <laughs> yeah. So I'm very, very excited and anxious of what's happening in the next few months and years, but we are always positive and always looking for the best. So hopefully it's just, it's just heading the right direction. <laughs> um, but going back to you and back to the music, <laughs> um, what's your go-to falling in love or heartbreak song? Mm. So my, I guess my, my current go-to falling in love song would be uh, <laughs> Deep End by Benji, uh, Benji Flo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love that tune and yeah, a very special tune between me and someone. Um, uh, a shout out to the someone. Me lady, a lady, my lady. I'm out for you in the deep end. Hey, take it with me for the weekend. Hey, I'll be there when the life fades out. Are you ready for the season? Hey, feel your own safekeeping. Everybody got demons. And whenever you're around, I'll feed them. Tell me how you're down this evening. She said, ooh, she said, nah, nah, nah. So what you wanna do, do, do? I'm coming for you in a Nova. Little lady said, ooh, one time. Nah, 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 nah. So what you wanna do, do, do? I'm coming for you, I'm coming for you. Oh, girl, I'm losing all my focus. Um, and then um, I guess the heartbreak one would be, to me, one of the greatest written in popular culture um, is um, self self control by, by by my man Frank Frank Ocean. Um, what a beautiful heartbreaking song. Could I make a shot on the last night? Could we make it in? Do we have time? I be the boyfriend and you 
interviews now on a weekly basis for a year and uh, probably two three names that keep coming up and for me it's so interesting how Frank Ocean and we're talking about like all kinds of generation all kinds of artists and whatever media or subject they're, they're in how this guy has touched so many people and how and we're talking about Wolfgang Tillmans, Marina Abramovich, Tom Sachs, like how these people really would like to work with him or work with him. And I think he's really an artist of the 21st century that we're going to talk about decades to come still. Yeah, I mean, I don't like talking in terms of great, like the best, the best. No, not the best, the best, but uh, who left its mark. He's the most prominent uh, postmodern e artists in the world, like music art, you know, like a mm. genuine friend of mine. I worked with him for some odd years. A city of London, Boys Don't Cry and Endless. I was around Idea Guy, intern, you know, intern on steroids. You know, I, honestly, <laughs> I, I learned more from him than than um, he did from me. I was really, really grateful for that time in my life, changed my life. Uh, working with him and, you know, like any of my good friends, they've altered my life the way I see the world. But um, Frank, first and foremost, the writing man. I mean, he's a foremost American writer, poet. Um, the writing is just unreal. And then the cadence and the timbre and the vocals, the singing of those words, and then the production. And he's involved, you know, he writes every single word, obviously sings every single word, but he's involved in the production through and through. He's not just like getting a, a beat from someone and then hopping on it. You know, he's mm. he's incredible, man. He's like, uh, I mean, I don't even want to, he's just incredible, man. I yeah, it um hard to find the words to describe his um his output, but it's incredible. He's a great, great artist that is incredible at putting the human condition out into the world sonically. You know? Wow. And he's able to take left ideas and push them into popular culture, which is the hardest thing. And to me, the, the coolest mm. thing to do, best thing to do as far as making um, popular art is taking things that are from the left. And um, and also, I believe he's one of the most important art artists in um, specifically black music because of um, him speaking openly and singing openly about loving another man, sleeping with another mm. man, kissing another man. And um, I think it's changed the world. It's changed. There's so many young black men and women who grew up in the hood. Frank's from the hood hood, the real hood, you know? And that grew up in the hood. And there's a time when they couldn't be them for fear of their fear of their life, for fear of being um, exiled from their families, from their church, from their school, from their neighborhood. So for him, our greatest living, you know, 
artist that works in the realms of R&B, pop music, rap, and to be singing freely about like, calling it homosexuality, because to me, it's just sexuality. It's just no difference mm. to me, but how the world defines it. And to sing freely about it and not not make a big deal about it, but like, it's just there. To me, it's beautiful, like hearing straight young black men sing, my guy, pretty like a girl, but he's got fight stories to tell. To me, that's one of the most important moments in rap, you know, rap and R&B and black music and popular music, that an artist of his stature, of his skill level, that is considered the best thing to hit popular music since Kanye West, singing freely about loving men, sleeping with men, you know, like on that song, Good Guy, where he's like, you know, you, I never forget you, that that gay bar you took me to. You know, so on and so you know, so forth. And it's beautiful, man. It's like it's um beautiful. It's powerful, and like it's a it's a it's a civil rights movement unto itself. That's not really mm. ha- it's not really heralded as I think it should be. And um, it's amazing. And also, he's a, also a, a a big example to artists to own their own stuff. And you can be big and not be on a label because Blonde is an independent album that's platinum. Mm. Um, yeah, so he's done so many incredible things in a short period, of, you know, in a, basically ten years. Unbelievable. And um, yeah, I love Frank, man, and um, I love his family too. Shout out to Ryan, rest in peace to Ryan, and um, shout out to his mom. <laughs> so I got to say about that. Wow. <laughs> yes. Well, I hope he's gonna hear this and his his love from your words and your your love. Uh, I mean, this was beautiful. It's a good guy healed it up. If I was an NY, I should look you up. I, first time I ever saw you. And you text nothing like you look. It's to the gay bar you took me to. It's when I realized you talk so much more than I do. I hope my friends are going to talk about me like this. <laughs> <laughs> me too, man. <laughs> wow, I love it. Well, trying to wrap up our little chat. Um, if your life would be a movie, what song would play in the end credits? Oh, no. Wait, I jumped the ship here. What's the sexiest song? <laughs> sexiest song? Oh, man. Hmm. Yeah. After the heartbreak. Oh. Sorry. Damn. (laughs) You'll be surprised the answers I get to this one. I mean, (laughs) so let's rephrase this. What's sexy to you? No, I think the sexiest song is like, If I Was Your Girlfriend by Prince. That's to me, If I Was Your Girlfriend. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Him singing from that, like he's like uh, singing if he, as a guy. In pitched if, voice. Yeah. You know, like even that, like. concert video i sent it to you it's so good it's pure sex it's the the, the lighting that i mean everything he named his fur coat 
major, 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 major. Well, now we're heading to the last question, which is if if your life would be a movie, what song would play in the end credits? Um, good question. Um, the end credits. This is a tough one. I love I love sad I love sad songs. Um, my favorite. You like to indulge in the sadness. Is that an upper? I mean, it can be an upper, right? Even if when we're sad. I like whether it's a sad song, movie, happy song. They don't make the lyric. It's like it's just how good it is, right? And some reason I mm. feel like the saddest ones are the yeah. So man, I don't know why, but this one keeps coming in my head. So I'll just say it: "Wither," which is off of "Endless." Yeah, "Wither," "Wither," yeah, on "Endless," off of "Endless." Love it. That'd be a good last song. Takes a mind to worry, conscience to feel ashamed. But there's no place to hide out here. These skies are filled with flames. And both our hands are filthy, pointing up at the moon. But all tonight I hold you close, close enough to prove. Well, let's not get sad now and upset. <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> it's early. It's still early in LA. <laughs> the day is just starting. <laughs> I can do a. I can do a broody morning, like no one else. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tremaine, it's been a real pleasure. Yeah, man, this has been great. I really enjoyed this. Well, really, well, I, I really, gonna... I appreciate you reaching out to me. And um, you gotta, when the time's right, you gotta do a side. A side and Brock, me A side and Brock together or something, or just do A side or Brock. Oh, sure. Yeah, we'll we'll do we'll do it in person back when I'm in LA. <laughs> I look forward to that, man. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Peace, bro. Now the you for tuning in this week if you want to listen to the full playlist visit areweonair.com or our spotify channel you can also find us on instagram and on youtube at areweonair and a big thank you to my wonderful team at studio noi i'm armand nafei and i'll speak to you soon